what's up, buds? Welcome to another episode of the Earbuds Podcast, a podcast where usually two buds talk about one album for a good amount of time. Uh, usually it's today, two buds. Now it's four buds. Today's a wholly different episode. Uh, I'm super excited, very anxious, very nervous. Um, yeah, we were saying always, this is like uh, Christmas for you, man, or your birthday. Is my June 14th is my new birthday. Uh, <laughs> I got to notify everyone else, uh, all my friends and family that I know. Uh, but I, as always, am Brett Hanrahan. Uh, join with me, as always, is Lucas Indrakovs. And today, I have the pleasure of uh, talking to a band that I've known about for probably a decade now. I don't know. It's just weird. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Brett was so, so excited to talk to you guys. Uh, and and uh, I, he got me really, really excited because he had shown me a couple of y'all's tracks. And, uh, man, I, I, we'll get into it. But I've been um, trying to hook people the fuck on y'all yes. for years. Yeah. Uh, join with us, Jason Mazzola and Matthew Michael, the singer and bassist, respectively, of Cloak Dagger. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. So awesome. Mr. Matt. Yeah, Mr. Matt. Mr. Mr. Matt, Matt. 107. Get the title right. <laughs> Get it in there. So, Brett, you've been listening to Cloak Dagger since you were three, four? Yeah, I think it was about ten know. years ago. I was like three or four years old, just getting out of diapers. Just a budding toddler. Uh, and I just found y'all on Pandora, Eyes on the Wall, uh came on and I was like holy shit I got into y'all stuff uh and 10 years later like now we're here <laughs> <laughs> how how are y'all how are y'all doing today doing good yeah I'm doing real good dude how did you I feel like you know when me and Brett were doing some research for this episode and getting ready to talk to you guys uh it was like there's not too much information about the band and the history and how you guys got together. There's some stuff on Spotify, but I, I'm sure a lot of people would love to know, man, some of the, the history of the band, how you guys got together and everything. So, like, how'd you guys meet? You know, it's uh, I think that'd be a really fun story. Cool. I think Jason's probably a better one for this. I've, I'm the newest member of the band, which is, means, like, I've been <laughs> in it for 12 years or something or longer. Yeah. But they were around before <laughs> me, so. So there was a band called Renee Hartfelt which was uh, our drummer, Colin Kimball, played drums for that band. And then uh, Colin Barth, who's the only guitar player in Club Dagger, played guitar. And they would have practice here in Richmond. Sometimes their singer would be late. And so in that downtime, when they were waiting for him to show up to practice, they would just write songs because they were both into punkish, hardcore stuff. And Renee Hartfelt was more of an indie rock band. And so they would just do that just for fun. And then eventually they came up with enough songs that they asked me to uh, sing for them. So they gave me a demo of the songs and we recorded the demo with Pete that sang for Renee Hartfelt, not thinking that much would come of it. But uh, we were really happy with how the demo came out. It just sounded the right amount of raw that I liked and it seemed to connect with people. And so we started playing shows and then got asked to play more shows. And... Uh, yeah, that's how the band started. 
Were those songs the songs on like Pinata Breaks demo takes? Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's something you know, that was the demo, and then after we signed with J Tree, they wanted to put out something just kind of as a, you know, get familiar with this band before the LP came out, because it was a long time before they signed us and the LP came out due to some legal issues. So I don't know how much I want to get into that, but uh, that's where that Pinata Breaks demo takes came out. And the, um, after that demo, we put out a seven inch with our friend, uh, Alex DiMatessa. He runs a label called Great Mistake, and that was the Pinata seven inch. So that's why that's okay. a compilation. It's called Pinata Breaks Demo Takes. It was just online only. It was nothing that came out of uh, like a 12 inch LP or CD or anything like that. And then after that, you guys came out with like your first like real full length album, right? With We Are? Yeah. So then we came out with We Are in, I think, 2007. And, um, I mean, we really went for it. Like, we were touring as much as we could and playing as much as we could. And that wasn't necessarily always the best choice because the shows we were playing, you know, I mean, we were playing to 15 or 20 people, but we were traveling as much as we could. But we would do these stupid things. Like, we played, I think we played uh, Santa Cruz, and then show was Seattle. You know, it didn't make any sense. Oh, man, yeah. Rather than doing it properly or do, you know, (laughs) And then we played New York, you know, we started that tour, we played New York, we had a great show, and I think the next show was in Idaho, it was Iowa, or it was something ridiculous, where it made no sense to go from there to there, and we lost all of our money, but we were just doing it in the name of, let's lay the groundwork so that people are familiar with our band, but, uh, you know, it was kind of rough on us, and we did Europe the first time on that record, and then uh, Matt, he was in a band I loved called Haram, um, and Matt seemed to take interest in Cloak Dagger and would come to see us play, which I thought was awesome because I loved Matt's music. So for him to like us, I felt that was like a huge validation, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Up to that liked our band. Um, and we went through uh, a couple bass players. I should say that our first bass player was Aaron Bark, Colin Bark, the guitar player's brother. And their chemistry was just awesome. And just clicked instantly because they're brothers. And um, right, right. after that, we, we played with our friend Adam, who now plays in a band called Terminal Bliss. That uh, just came out with a record on Relapse that Matt recorded. Nice. And then, yeah, and then Matt joined up with us probably, right? When we were still playing shows, right? Yeah, I mean, the, I joined up right before that Canada tour, that really long Canada okay. tour. So, Matt, were you on Lost Art, or did you join after that record came out? I was on it. Yeah, that was my first one. I gotta say, like, just to chime in, one of my favorite things on the record is the bass. Awesome. And I just I just love when punk bands put the bass guitar, like, so prominently in the mix, and so just, like, in your face. And it's just so, like, it's so... I can hear everything that you're doing. Like, how did you guys land on some of those production, like, mixing decisions on on a lost art it was all it was all the guy chris owens uh who played in that band uh lords and a couple other bands he had a studio in louisville that he's just a great engineer and so i think all the sound choices were really his but he did a really cool job of like i think capturing the band as it actually sounded you know i I know everybody says that but like he didn't try to like make colin do a bunch of stereo guitar tracks or you know kind of put the bass as a background thing he kind of made me and colin both be up front dude our front and center man 
the the production difference on Lost Art, uh, as opposed to all the earlier records, is like you can tell there's like a big difference, but it doesn't lose any of that rawness, which I love. It's still got that aggressive, nasty tones and all that. There's a lot of there's a lot of brattiness on it, like in a good way. You know what I mean? Like there's, I was I was curious, like wh- who would you say are some of y'all's biggest influences in terms of music? Because on a lot of the tracks. I kind of felt like you were channeling Black Flag and Circle Jerks and a lot of like the early 80s punk when punk was just really unpolished and raw and just pure fucking emotion, you know? So super curious, like if, if some of those bands were in kind of your all's back pocket and you were thinking about those during the songwriting or or anyone else? <laughs> me, for me, 100%, yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Black Flag, Circle Jerks. Um, I think for Lost Guard, I was definitely, you know, Hot Snakes for sure. The Pixies, even, um, was something oh, that I was into oh. at the time. That was playing nonstop. Big Boys. Um, those are all bands that I would say are influenced on this record. Now, Colin Barr, guitar player Colin, I mean, he was, I don't know what he was listening to at the time. His, his I tasted music is different than mine, and he was playing, what, at that time period, Captain Deepar. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Yeah, he was playing so much Rolling Stones. It's, um, it's, so, I, like, one of my favorite parts of y'all's band are, like, the riffs and the weird guitar work that is, like, kind of off the wall. I kind of got at the drive-in vibes from, from some of the riffs. Oh, yeah, the I, record. Record. Uh, I also felt like I got some minor threat vibes. I don't know if that influenced y'all. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, me. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I just, I mean, I think Colin's like a very, very unique guitar player, and it comes from like a guy who I, I, I kind of see it as someone who taught themselves to play songs that had two guitar players, but t- taught himself as, yeah. a, as one yeah. person because he's always kind of playing a rhythm and a lead thing at the same time. And so it's, it's, yeah. it's very unique. I mean, and he's also kind of, you know, a maniac that knows how he want I mean like a lot of the bass stuff it's even hard for me to take total credit for because he knows what he wants so anytime there's like you know a very leady long bass line it's probably Colin already had it in his head and showed me what to play wow well because there's a, a lot of time on this record he he's kind of staying up on those high strings and notes and you gotta keep it down yeah. there and get some bass yeah. effects yeah for sure and i can imagine it's probably i mean you know i'm not a bassist i'm a guitarist myself but i can imagine it's probably really hard to write a bass riff to such an off the wall kind of manic energy you know uh guitar part that it's just it's like there's not a lot of uh immediate melodies and harmonies that you can like grab onto with a guitar he's just kind of all over like when you said captain b fart i was like yeah that's Exactly what it, like I, I couldn't think of anyone else, even though I hear just like Brett, like I, you know, I'm we're both you know grew up and were raised uh, listening to a lot of punk music, and so I, I hear a lot of like the Bronx and uh, the Hives even in some of the guitar riffs, and then I mean honestly some of it uh, kind of sounds like Idols, like what Idols is doing now, you know, to a certain extent, and and I was curious like what would you guys consider your genre like are you guys hardcore post-hardcore because I, I just hear so many different things going on it's like can you classify it really except is it just punk rock 
Um, I think what we benefited from is that it was hard to classify our band. So I think, yeah, I would say, yeah, I mean, I would definitely say it's a punk band. But at the same time, I mean, we played with, we played all over the place. We played with uh, Government Warning when they were still playing. It was probably one of the best punk bands to ever come out of the East Coast. And they were from here in Richmond. And um, we also played with Hot Water Music. Nice. Yeah, I saw they were on Jade Tree. Yeah, they split, split, split on uh, they split on J. Crew, Trio, I think. But yeah, we played with um, I don't know, we kind of, we kind of, it's weird because it works in your favor and sometimes it doesn't work in your favor where you don't fit in. And so sometimes when you don't fit in, it, people are less um likely to, to take what you're doing and, and latch onto it. It's like they don't. It's hard for them to get it. Right. Yeah. 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 I think a lot of people just would. It's it's easier for people to to accept like you are metal or you are new metal or you're rap or whatever versus like yeah. we do a little bit of everything and even a little bit of everything sometimes within a one track. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think when Paul and Barth started the band is and you, I remember him saying I wanted this band to be a hardcore band. You know what I mean? I think he said I want. I think he wanted it to be a hardcore band, but hardcore in the sense of maybe 80s hardcore bands where they're more Booster Do diverse than Yeah. Yeah. In fun. yeah. Right. So, but, Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I was just realizing too, I always forget that I'd never, I had never played bass in a band before Cloak Dagger. That was the other weird thing. Oh. Oh, that was your yeah. first one. Holy shit. Yeah. Like, when they asked me to do that, like, I was probably one of their biggest fans. Like, I drove to all their shows. I would drive, like, down to Richmond from here to watch them play all the time. And I remember, I still remember the night. I've known uh, all of them for ever because we all grew up yeah. playing in hardcore bands, so that's kind of the connection. Uh but I remember when, like, when Colin called me and asked if I wanted, specifically if I wanted to do that Canadian tour with them because they needed a bass player, I, like, went out and bought a bass and bought a bass amp and, like... <laughs> oh, shit, so you... <laughs> what what a debut, man. It wasn't just, like, first time playing bass with a band, it was first time Yeah, I did not bass. own a bass at all. Oh, shit. <laughs> I don't think I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> well, fuck, that's, I mean... Grace under pressure if I've ever heard it's, it's hard it's harder than <laughs> most people give it credit for yeah man I grew up playing guitar and I thought I was like oh, I'm a guitarist I can play bass any day and I'm just no no fucking way especially because in high school I was in a ska band so I'm like I can't play ska bass for sake of my <laughs> life I can play fucking upstroke you know bar chords and that's it man what a debut though to be having your first record to be playing a bass on it's like you fucking killed it Thank you. I appreciate it. To the point where it was my favorite part of the of pretty much every song. That's super cool. Yeah, I remember I remember the first practice when I went down to Richmond. I had like, you know, written out like all the songs in crappy tablature to try to do them and I think I got like two of them right. And like or they were right, they were just wrong in how I was playing them, you know. Like sometimes you make things harder than it actually is. I realized that like all the stuff on the first record is pl- pretty much like played on the low E. It's not like all over the place. It's like the low E all over the neck, <laughs> not not other strings, but stuff like that's kind of fun to learn. Hey man, you only need you only need one string sometimes. Man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, Wes Borland only had four strings on Nookie, you know, and he 
And what? And look at them now. <laughs> what, a, what a what a fantastic band that's been. <laughs> are we are we all about to deny that we all didn't love Limp Bizkit when they came out? Am I, I'm not the only one, right? Uh, I did not. I did. No, not even not even not even three dollar bill, y'all. Sorry. Not even no. Some, they took out some kind of more punkish core bands on this last tour, so I think there's something cool about that. Something weird about it, but something cool about it too. Yeah, I think there's a lot of weird things about Limbiscuit. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's kind of a genre that's been weirdly developing recently. Uh, so I think we might hear some really cool like punk core metal rap shit happening there, yeah there's some there's uh I know I can't think of the name of the band but someone sent me something that was exactly that like hard very hard but rap but like metal hardcore and sort of stuff now I can't remember thinking of the name but it's not um I don't even know how you pronounce it how H-O-N-N-O-9 it's not that one oh, the man. one that Travis Barker played drums for it's something else but um I gave it a shot it's not my not my thing but yeah. I think I heard something similar like that too because I watched. Uh, I don't know if you guys know the Punk Rock NBA on um, YouTube. I don't watch the YouTube, but yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, he uh, he recently had a video that he put up, and it was something about uh, the history of uh, metal and punk, and it sounds like this these later tracks or these later bands that are coming out now are doing exactly like what what you guys are talking about. It's like combining all this stuff together. I mean, I I kind of think of like Turnstile. When I'm thinking about hardcore bands that are like really kind of trying to change the sound a little bit. Yeah, I mean they definitely. I think that they did in a way that I can relate to more for sure because they're pulling influences from Bad Brains, which is one of my favorite bands, and then also from I don't know, just just everything that I really like that band. I'm a big fan of theirs. So yeah, I think they're pulling the right amount of influence from hip hop, the right amount of influence from hardcore, and then make something that's fun and cool for everybody to see. Turnstile was a band I really like didn't understand and I didn't see anything in until this recent album came out and now it's like one of my favorite punk albums and like one of my favorite bands yeah, yeah they're awesome <laughs> I mean they're I think that the record before the newest one I that's when I got on that's when I got into them too yeah cool record and I think not like that record Amazing. Amazing. yeah um the new one I love um I mean, mixing in, like, the Latin, even the Latin grooves that they mixed in on the new record was just, like, completely, yeah, like, those are like out of favorite. nowhere. So unexpected. It's my favorite parts on the yeah. album. The go-go drums on there? Yes. That, I mean, the, like, the part where they're saying, like, thank you for letting me be myself, where they're just kind of, like, bringing back that thing of Sly and the Family Stone or something. Just so, like, you're hearing all these things. I'm like, yes, like, we're finally getting to the point where, you know, when, when Lost Ark came out, maybe it was too challenging for some people to accept this thing that's just like, I can't box this in to anything. Yeah. Well, someone pointed this out to me recently because I was talking about, oh man, it's cool now that bands these days, younger hardcore bands, they can take influences from so many different things and just throw them together and make it work. And they pointed out that that's because they have the internet in a way that we didn't necessarily, you know, with everything at your fingertips and you can just be, so you could be influenced by, you know, bands on completely different sides of the spectrum but then put something together through your own lens that makes sense which is something that I think is cool about the new crop of, of punk and core bands that are going now yeah just the access to all the different music that's out there now where it's unlimited access to anything that you want to listen to 
just pull from so many different influences and i feel like maybe there's less of a gatekeepy view on music in general now that you can you can listen to this like pop record and not have to feel shame about it and kind of like incorporated it yeah i I mean matt you matt records bands currently and what did they ever surprise you with the influences that they reference or stuff that they bring into you yeah all the time (laughs) i I think there's (laughs) I think there's just like... For, for better and for worse? No, no, no. It's always for the better. It's just sometimes, I mean, I'm pretty old. And so, like, I, in my mind, like, I was pretty, like, every record I always did was very, like, within whatever the band was doing. But I think bands are less afraid now to, like, do, like, a weird, you know, Cookie Monster vocal part and or do, like, a blast beat or, you know, add, you know to me, like, grindcore and stuff was grindcore. It wasn't like you scooted in a little grindcore somewhere else but right i mean more power to them i don't like I mean, it's ambitious you know but yeah now you hear bands like lorna shore who are doing vocal work that i mean you've we've never even heard before at yes. this point and it's yeah it's, i mean it's just completely changing the landscape and i think like the whole concept of being a purist is just kind of going out the window now we're just allowing artists to just be artists yeah yeah and i was i was curious man like you know talking about uh, just kind of doing whatever the fuck you want. I feel like on songs like Don't Need A and Deathbed Rebels, like, Jason, was it hard for you to write some of the vocal melodies for some of these tracks? <laughs> I feel like the riffs are just sometimes so off the wall. And I don't want to say they're, like, what, amelodic, what usually, you know? What usually came first when it, like, yeah. writing a song? Was it the chicken or the egg? The song was always first. And I think around that time, I did have kind of a notebook with some lyrics written down, but, I mean, to be honest with you, I cannot count how many times I thought, how the fuck am I going to write lyrics to this song? <laughs> Death Bed Ruffles was one of those songs where it's just so crazy, but I don't want to let everybody down, and I don't want to let myself down, because that's the one thing I loved about Cliff Dagger, and I love about it, is all the songs are so challenging to write lyrics for generally. They're not very straightforward. I think that you know, the more straightforward the song is, the easier I have uh with writing lyrics, but yeah, those, I mean, you called it, I mean, Deathbed Rebels was the song that I had a hard time with, and I, you know, there's a lot, when I went back and listened to this record before doing this talk, that I thought, man, I wish I could go back and redo some of that stuff, or, um, but I also, I also, um, my now wife, uh, she, I had to leave the studio to fly home because her appendix burst. Oh, shit. We did the, I did the vocals. I mean, I caught the next plane that I quit, which was, I think, eight hours later or something like that. And wow. so I did the vocals in that amount of time. And then when I came home, I thought, I heard the rough mixes back or something, and I sent Chris Owens an email with all of the stuff I wanted to change and switch out and, and all this. And then he just said that, you know, if, that's, if that happens, then I can do it, but it's going to be months from now before I can get to it. And that's going to... Uh, pushback and release date and at the time release date for more of a thing we were scheduled to have this come out we didn't want to miss that release date but uh but yeah yeah so you you did all the vocals before we were finished with everything right you did it to the drum tracks oh my god did i just do it to the drum tracks i mean you did it to we we played all the songs live so there was like a live take of everything oh okay the scratch guitar track on there yeah um Wow, to get to get that much like energy and emotion with 
almost using bare bones to as a backing track to try and get that out of you, man. Like that must have been a challenging thing to do. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you said eyes on the wall because I can hear it in that song. I mean, you can you can hear kind of that frantic energy of I I don't know. I just when I listen to that song in particular, I remember a moment of recording those vocals and doing that backup thing with the, I see them, I see them looking back at me and remember thinking like, holy shit, this is happening right now. I've got to get home. I've got to get home, but I wow. need to do this right. It's maybe some of that, that like urgency kind of bled into the emotion of the song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think you're right. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, when I listened back to this also, I thought, man, I shouldn't have said so many words also. I should have chilled and just let Colin Clark <laughs> do his thing. But there's so many cool guitar lines that I think that I kind of stepped on by saying words to them that didn't necessarily need to be there. But I think he hears songs different than I hear songs. I think sometimes the vocal melodies that he pictures of the songs aren't what I picture in the songs. But, um, you know, I tried my best, and that's probably for you. I mean, in the end, you were the vocalist, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you had the, and I, I thought you were like, you know, Dude. three out of ten most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's pretty good. <laughs> That's solid. The, the, the one is the highest that we we consider the one the best. So the yeah. Well, not me. <laughs> oh, okay. I I did want to ask, like, it's been, uh, God. How long ago was 2009? Yeah, 13 uh, it's been a years long ago, time man. Since y'all have yeah. recorded these songs, do you ever, like, are there any songs or any parts you look back on specifically and you're, you kind of, like, cringe a little bit? Or you... Or like, you go, like, you fuck yeah, your... dude, that was awesome. Matt, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think? Uh, not on, on this record, I felt, like, on what we're talking about, I felt super solid. I think that there's other songs like on I Want Everything that I maybe it's because we were playing less live on on records after that that I was always like nervous when the bass parts were hard but I feel like on the since it was my first record I feel like I was super in like knew everything I was supposed to play and you know we had toured a bunch and so I felt really comfortable with everything so for me there was you know I felt on that one I had done my homework so I was good to go but nice. Jason's and always guys... gonna say stuff too about how he wishes he could change something. That's he's never gonna be totally happy with stuff. I, I want to throw that in there because <laughs> that's part of his personality and that's part of what makes him good. But yeah. <laughs> I feel like, especially as a singer, I kind of feel I feel your pain sometimes where you go back and you're just like, oh, if I could just redo that one line, or the same thing of just like, man, why did I why did I feel so much pressure to fill in this space with with words or singing or anything? It's like there's always that hindsight's twenty twenty, you know. Yeah, it's true, but I mean, I think a lot of things about uh, that I love about bands like Hot Snakes and Rocket from the Crypt is that they just let the songs breathe, and I think I should have just realized that a little more, that sometimes you got to let the songs breathe, but I'm proud of all the Easter eggs I left in there. There's a lot of lyrical things that I reference that are picked up from my favorite bands and songs that I threw in there and that I kind of forgot about until I went back and listened to it this week. Nice. I definitely picked up on... I mean, just again, me as a singer and also being a guitarist, I'm like, I'm listening to these riffs and thinking there's no fucking way I'd ever be able to write a melody to this. And just how <laughs> impressed I was that you were able to, to do something and like have it be really impactful and work so well in the song. But I just feel like 
it's, if that's your style of songwriting and, and writing melodies and harmonies, then that let Colin just kind of go off the wall and have a ton of fun and just kind of do whatever the fuck he wants, you know? So it's like, if you're forced to kind of do that more um, standard, uh, like hardcore vocal delivery, where it's just like, dude, I'm just like, I'm talking really loud and just having to like, just really push it through and, and get through all this like wall of sound that's coming at you, man. Like you've nailed it. And I, I, I that's, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's like shows the, the, how how much like all you guys were able to work together and you just had this kind of synergy as a band where you just you understood your parts and what you had to do to make this work and and it just pulled it off like really really well like were you guys trying to do that with like do you think colin and and with all you guys kind of writing together were you guys trying to to write an angry almost like manic manically energized album like where you guys drank like way too much coffee or did a bunk a bump of like a bump of some bad coke or some shit you know like where it's just some stepped on drugs or something because i just feel like there was just this kind of just this drive where it was almost like you said where it's like we don't have time like we don't have enough time like we need to like get this out you know yeah <laughs> he's like mr matt i i feel like i the collins have like a uh being drummer and guitar player have a very like uh uh a style that's all their own so i i think it's that like driving energies a lot them how they play you know they may never give up on the downstrokes or the 16th notes that's always like you know punishing and like they you know they they do it to a point i i uh noticed uh i only just noticed re-listening to this album like when I was in a two-piece, like one of my first bands, I had to always write on the cymbals to keep the sound as big as possible with only like two members of the band. I realized he loves to just write on the crashes and those mad open uh, hi-hats and stuff. And he hardly ever like closes the hi-hat or like rides on a tom. Yeah, or anything. yeah. <laughs> and it kind of keeps it like wide and explosive and, and, and like there's a lot of room. It's almost like at times everyone is so fucking hyped that it's go. Everyone's like playing faster than they should. <laughs> at times, like I feel like my favorite, one of my favorite songs on the record was "Fast Food Dream," and it's just the energy was the energy was so infectious on that one, and it was almost too fast. Like the guitar riff was almost too fast. And it's almost like the drummer and the guitarist were just like looking at each other like fucking hell like trying to keep up with each other and just kept speeding each other up without trying you know and i'm just like man i just feel like there's just so much energy in that moment and it would make a lot of sense too if you guys recorded it live um where you just you're just feeling that energy from each other man you're feeding off of each other yeah yeah colin's one of those cool drummers that when like if he gets tired he doesn't slow down he speeds up <laughs> Which I think is super cool, you know. Maybe fast food dream was after like an eight-hour recording session, and he's just like exhausted. It's like I'm gonna, I'm putting half of my soul out to record this song right now. It did just feel like everyone was trying to match the drums on that song. Everyone was trying to keep up with him. Yeah. I, I loved that energy. Was there, was there like a metronome? You said you played it all together. Was it like, did you have a click track? Oh or no. No, it's like, it was, <laughs> yeah, all the Cloak Dagger records are recorded, like, you know, totally live, and uh, there's no, like, editing of anything, it's all just there, and it's not just, like, no like, there's no, like, um, 
we play, we, you know, there's no, lots of times I'll record bands and they'll do multiple takes of a song and I'll piece it together, you know, the best takes, but there's none of that with this. It's all just, you know, whatever we got. And I think on that record, I'm, I might be wrong, but there was a bit of a, like, if we can't get it in, you know, three tries, we shouldn't be doing it kind of thing. So it was. Shit. That's, that's quite a lot of pressure going into the studio. I mean, it's also just like, you know, if you know the songs well enough, you're going to do it. One of those three tries is going to be the one. So, For sure. And I feel like it's just, it captures something really special when you're recording live altogether. There's a certain energy that you can get from that, that type of setting of recording that I feel like, uh, you know, when you're just recording a guitar solo, like sitting down next to the engineer, it does, you don't get the same, you, you, you don't feel the energy as much, I feel like, when everything is done in the moment. Yeah. And there's a certain rawness to it, you know? Yeah. I don't think we could have done it any other way. I mean, there's still, you know, the, a lot of the guitar and bass is not the original scratch track, but just the, you know, playing together and playing, staring at each other is the important part, you know? Yeah, you feed off each other, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. For sure. But yeah, that was Colin Bart's MO, right? Was this, he would hate to go back and try to alter things and even even vocals, you know, he would he would uh, not not be encouraging to try to go back and do lines again and that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't, wasn't his thing, which I respect, you know, it just took me a second to to learn things from that outlook. I feel like sometimes the imperfections are what can make a song so fun too. Totally. Yeah. yeah, it just takes a while to learn that, you know. I mean, there's plenty of records that I love with like clubs on them, but I don't care. I still love records, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you guys have mentioned it several times, but oh, sorry. We were just I was going to say, I'm a big fan of like uh, thinking of records as like a snapshot of time and not like worrying too much about it being the perfect thing because it's like a representation of those songs at that time, you know. Right. This is that's how you were playing it that day. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. I try not to because I've done like records of other bands of mine in the past that I hate the recording, but at the same time I'm like that's what it was. You know, that's the document of that stuff at that time. So. You captured you captured something that day. Like yeah, yeah, and I feel like with Lost Art, dude, I feel like y'all captured fucking lightning in a bottle. I just took it. Thank you. Yeah, for real. And you guys have mentioned it, man. Yeah, it's it's. It, I wonder if is it like, ha, when's the last time you guys have really listened to it and and thought about this record? You know, like it's has it been something that is just. Were, were there a lot of like memories come flooding back to you, like reading back to or like listening back to this, or was it something that? Are you guys like me, where my band's albums are my favorite albums and I listen to them all the time? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, me personally, I didn't listen to this one for a long time, and we—it's odd, but we only play. I mean, if we play now, we play what three songs off this record? Yeah, yeah. Really? Do you know, play three songs off this record. We play "Don't Need It." We always normally open up with "Billions, Millions," and then we play um. Oh, what's what's the third one? Dead Idols. Oh, Dead Idols. Yeah. Yes. But um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. There's so many songs on this album that I think are. When I went back and listened to it, I thought were. Cool songs. I just don't know why we didn't play them more. I remember when we toured Europe for this record, we only played maybe two more songs than we played the last show that we played. Um, yeah, I mean, I have. I mean, this is just memories of. I mean, this is when we were going full force and trying to tour as much as possible. I thought 
Yeah. And yeah. so it's around the same time period that our drummer Colin decided that he kind of wanted to make some life changes and go to school to be a mechanic. So there was that, when I listened to that record, I kind of remember that, you know, you got, you know, real life started to kind of get its hands right. yeah. 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 into yeah. what we were doing, but, you know, obviously we're still doing it to some extent, putting out a record in 2022, so things didn't go that far, but just, you know, that's what I remember from that time period. Yeah. And, yeah, the, fact that, and the fact that Jason had to leave. I mean, that was super stressful. Catherine was super, super, super sick and like... Seriously, man. Is that what... I, 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 I was wondering why uh, you, you recorded Lost Art in 2009 and then I Want Everything 2017. Uh, like eight years uh, later. Eight years later. <laughs> that was, what, what got y'all back to record that album and like what what stopped the the band from happening like what's happening in that gap yeah i didn't realize it was that long but yeah i mean yeah uh colin colin went to school to be a mechanic he was doing the mechanic thing and then um we were just playing we seemed to be just playing dc or richmond twice a year or something like that for years and then uh I don't really remember, Matt. Do you remember what was happening around that time period? I mean, I had a, I had a kid. Um, <laughs> that's a big one. Yeah, that's, that's a big one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it also, it took us a long time because we, we started recording that record in one house that I lived in, like in our practice space, and then I moved to another house and we finished it there. So it probably took several years, I think, to actually finish that record, if I'm not mistaken. Did you start kind of recording it soon after Lost Art? No, there was there was time, but you I guys think we pretty heavily after that record came out, Lost Art. Yeah, I mean, we I think we did two European tours. I, wow. Oh, wow. Three. I think it was three. Yeah, I think we went. Oh yeah, because the UK one too. But yeah, so we toured a lot. And I wish we did the U.S. more, though. I don't, we, yeah. We never did the U.S. on this record, but we just played, I don't know, the East Coast, but a lot of D.C. and Philly. I mean, D.C. has, like, such a heavy hardcore scene, right? Like, such a historyed hardcore scene in, over there. Oh, yeah. 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 So it was, like, probably your target audience over there, too. I feel like, DC, I feel like Richmond's more... Fuck dagger speed says Baltimore. I I can say this because I live outside of DC, but I feel like <laughs> DC has a very like uh, I don't know specific punk scene, and there are bands that people like, and you know everybody else kind of sits on the outside in a little bit of a way. I think I feel like Richmond and Baltimore sometimes are more less uptight. Yeah, it's interesting. Right, man. What would, what would you guys say are like some of your favorite songs from this album? When you're when you were listening back to it, and what what were the ones that really stood out to you? Were just like, fuck yeah, I'm really proud of that one. <laughs> uh, billions, millions. I've always loved that song. That's such an awesome opener, dude. Thank you, thank you. So, so good. When we open up live with that, I think it's just a good way to open up because it's not like it's not so fast in your face. It just kind of sets the tone, and I always I always love playing that song live. I think when I went and listened to this record this week I really like the song Sturdy Wrists because I totally forgot about it and it's a song that was about <laughs> breaking his wrist call brother 
Oh, shit. And he was out of the game for, what, months? Shit, man. Uh, that'll do it. I bet that was torture for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, he also hurt his hand years after that. And what did he he no, it was he was working as a baker and he spilled uh, caramel on it. Oh man, that's like molten fucking lava, dude. Yeah, that stuff only gets hotter. So he basically <laughs> napalmed his whole arm. Damn. Yeah, I mean, he, when he broke his wrist, we thought, oh my god. I mean, we can't. We had to cancel some shows and all that. Right. We weren't sure if we we're gonna be doing things ever again. And I remember, I can't remember why we called him Eyes in the Sky, but there's that. There's these lines in the song where he talks about eyes in the sky, lead the way, eyes in the sky, not afraid. For some reason, I forgot completely about all that. So it just made me happy to hear that song in this last week's listen. You know, when, when I was first, when I first listened to that song, I literally had the thought, like, it was probably that fucking guitarist that broke his wrist. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a couple of y'all's live shows. He only down picks. Yep. Oh, that's ridiculous. That's it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Do you only down pick two, Matt? I'm supposed to. I don't. I cheat all the time. No, I try. I I try to. I think it sounds better, but like I get this is part of the playing bass thing that's hard. It's actually like really physical to hit a thick string that right. fast all the time. You get super tired. I sound like a wimp right now, but no, nah, man. That's legit. No, you play nothing but that music for half an hour. Like, you need to, you need to alternate, or you're gonna die. Yeah, yeah. carpal tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> at the least, at the very least. What about you, Matt? Like, what what would you say are some of your favorite tracks on this on Lost Art? Um, I think Dead Idols and Don't Need are my two favorite. I feel like, um, yeah. maybe it's because we play them the most, and maybe it's because. I, I I think I have fond memories of the... Like, I remember when Colin showed us the parts at, like, our old practice space in Richmond. And I just remember being super stoked. You know, because these are the first songs that I was going to be a part of as new songs. Mm. Right. And you'd, like, contribute to. Yeah. And just to, hear, you know, be excited that this is, you know, these are going to be the songs that I'm on. I'm in the band now. This is super cool. Right? Yeah, it's exciting, man. Yeah, Dead Idols is so, like, loud and boisterous. It's so fun to listen to. And Jason, the vocals are so awesome on that, too. You're, like, you're kind of yelling, but it's kind of loose. Yelling to where you're, you're almost doing a... I don't want to say, like, a Jello Biafra type of thing, but kind of, you know? Yeah, kind of like a... Eh, like, I don't know. I don't even want to imitate it. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not about to sing Jason's part to him. No, fuck that. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I've always... I've always appreciated the uh, kind of balance between grittiness and melody that you bring to vocals. You know, I mean, thank you. some songs definitely emphasize one over the other. Fast Food Dream, you, I don't know how you could put a melody on it. It's no. so fast. Yeah, but, <laughs> but then you have like Eyes on the Wall, which is one of my uh, another one of my favorite songs on it. That it's like probably one of the catchier melodies on the record, if not the catchiest one. Yeah, man, thank you. Yeah, and I. Dude, amazing, and I, I love the play of the the drums with the bass, Matt. Where you guys are kind of, I mean, it's just such a classic punk thing to have like the drummer hitting on the toms and the bass just like you guys are just isolated and you're the only two playing for a little bit and then everyone comes back in. I think that's just such a classic punk songwriting technique, and it just it works so well on Eyes on the Wall. It hits for sure. It hits, yeah. 
Awesome. What about you, Brett? What are your What are your favorite tracks on this thing, man? Uh, Dead Idols is one of my favorites. That transition into Dead Idols always gets me pumped up from billions millions. Just like hearing that riff, the aggressiveness. Uh, I sing it in the shower all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, mental image, okay. Eyes on the wall. Uh, it it y- y'all don't play this song live. Is that right? No, I, I think we did at one point, but no. Uh, no. Ugh, that tears me apart because it was the it was the first song I heard. Uh, and after all this time, <laughs> yeah, it's just dude. super catchy. I feel like it's a super fun like bar song that everyone yeah would sing. Uh, it got that bridge is one of my favorite parts on the album where it kind of slows down. It's just calling. Uh, by the way, never heard the word pink more aggressively. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea that was what you were saying until you sent me the lyrics. I was like, this. Oh, nice. You just fucking yell anything and make it sound cool. <laughs> make it sound cool, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, you're drinking the pink LaCroix. Uh, <laughs> owning it. I truly, I truly am. Uh, and, yeah, that was a, I'm not the hot snakes. We need to check those guys out. Yeah, I, I, and I feel like y'all need to give Fast Food Dream and Broken Wrist some more love. Those are some honorable mentions. Billions, yeah. millions, honorable mention. If you guys come to San Diego and you don't play Fast Food Dream, I'm going to be real upset. <laughs> Yeah, right, Jesus. Right. That's not a song you play later in the set. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, usually, you know, when we do uh, our album reviews or these episodes of our podcast or everything, like, we usually like to rate the record, just, like, depending on how, you know, how much we enjoyed it, and it's super subjective rating. But I think it'd be really fun to have you guys give your rating of this record, like, zero to ten. And maybe, maybe rank your albums. Like, what are your yeah. favorite albums in the discography? Oof. Yeah. Go ahead and pick which one of your babies is your favorite. Let him hear it. Pick your favorite child. <laughs> um, I'm I'm probably gonna go. Uh, it's too hard because they're all it's hard, right? my favorite for different reasons. Well, you know. So I thought it's it's really interesting the transition from this album to I Want Everything, where it, y'all are obviously like trying some new stuff out, and I'm so excited to hear what y'all have next, uh, and to see where it goes from here. Uh, but I, I, to me, I feel like this is the pinnacle of the cloak dagger sound that I love so much is, is lost art, but I'm super interested to hear what, like how y'all see your discography. Um, man, it's so hard because like Matt said, I do love them all for different reasons. I will say that I think that I want everything does a great job of bottling up and capturing this depression that I felt around that time period, even with the artwork and the lyrics and that songwriting and just kind of this, there was so much struggle for that record for me to write the lyrics. And I think it just does a good job of representing that. I think We Are was just, I don't give a fuck, we're just gonna do this. and. Just, who cares if we break all the world? There's something cool about that. And Lost Art is I want to do this and I want to be 
more focused on what I try to do with the vocals for the record and not just scream the record start to finish. And I'm happy with right. some of the things that came out on it, but not 100% happy. But also, I think a lot of that has to do with the memories of just, I've got to go home and fly back to Virginia early. Um, so it's weird. There's a lot of good memories with Lockhart and there's this memories of change that, that kind of looming right yeah right right but i think with, with the new two song record that we're going to come out with i think it does a really good job of blending all of the perfect all of the strengths that we are and all of the strengths of the melody in this in lost heart i think it does a good job of combining both because it's a little more screamy but i think the songs are also catchy Matt, would you agree with the catchy and the yeah. way you describe them? Yeah, and I think they're, both of the two new songs are back to a more, I think they're more straightforward in a lot of ways, too. That's kind of the we are part of it to me. Uh, I want to, Matt, how do you see, like, the Cloak Dagger discography? Do you, do you have a soft spot for the albums before you were in the band, or do you kind of favor these ones where you were playing yeah that, i mean i feel like i have the same thing as jason where i like them all for different reasons the um lost art i feel like was in a way the pinnacle of the band being like an active band you know yeah and so right. we were you know touring all the time and playing all the time and super you know full speed ahead so that's it has like a very special place in my heart but you know we are is like the, the record I fell in love with so you know I still remember <clears throat> I was like working a, a desk job and listening to it all day long just you know wanting to be on tour playing music and thinking that this was the best thing ever and I was so stoked that my friends were still writing music that was that good and you know I just I listened to it so much and I would like try to play it for all my office co-workers and they were confused but that's okay <laughs> And then, yeah. Reaction from all my friends, <laughs> so I get it. And then the, I mean, the I Want Everything record is the first record that I tried to record myself, so that's like a big deal for me too in a lot of ways. Yeah, for sure. That's cool, man. Well, thank you all so much for joining, guys. This has been yeah. awesome, like diving into this record with you guys. And and it, and again, I, I'm sure there's gonna be so many people that are gonna be so excited to hear these stories from you guys and and to dive back into these albums, you know. Awesome. Thanks for taking the time to do it. I'm happy that anyone is, would pick up this record or stumble on it, you know, and let oh. them enjoy it. So y'all need to y'all need to put bread on your street team or something. <laughs> fucking loves you guys. <laughs> and I. I it's a very enjoyable record. I can't wait to dive into We Are and um, the album that came out after this. I'm already blanking on the on the name. I want everything. Uh, yeah. yeah, for sure. But thank you again for joining, man. Brett, I know this was such a huge deal for you, man. And is there any closing statements you want to give them? Or <laughs> No, I mean, just like, I don't know, man. Uh, it, y'all's music was very influential to, my, to me and like how I made music. Uh, and so it's just cool to get kind of an inside story and get in y'all's minds when you're making this album. Uh, and just like, again, thank you so much for being on. Uh, if y'all ever like want to come on again or something and talk about an album that you want to bring on, 
would be so cool. Uh, is there is there anything y'all want to like plug real quick to to all eight viewers because <laughs> uh, I know uh, Jason I wa- I listened to a couple episodes of where it went uh, where y- y'all talk about the the Revelation Records catalog yeah I mean that's, that's kind of what got me interested in hardcore and going to shows was all the early records that Revelation put out and Discord as well but Revelation's the one that I had some friends that asked if we wanted to if I wanted to join them in talking about the discography, we're going to start to finish. We're up to episode 59, and um, it's been fun doing it. I'm shot. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> they took him out. That was perfect. <laughs> Revelation didn't want to hear about it. We're taking his plug out. It's like, we, we've had our finger on the button this whole time. Oh. You kind of cut out there for a second, Jason. Yeah, you cut yeah, out for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you were telling all the secrets. <laughs> I was, dude. I was getting deep, and then uh, the power went out of it. But yeah, no, I did this. But I, I don't know where it cut off, but uh, where it went podcast is where it went podcast.com, and we just go through and talk about records. We're doing it every couple of weeks, and then all the stuff that we talked about is on Bandcamp. If anyone wants to check it out, we are cloakdagger.bandcamp. And By the way, way, tree releases. Go ahead, man. Yeah, loving y'all's EDM stuff that you're coming out with on uh, YouTube Music and Spotify. Uh, <laughs> I saw, like, new music on your page, and I'm like, oh, shit. And it's just like... Uh, 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 I, dude, it's happened to me before where I've seen bands do the same thing where I think, oh, man, new release now. It's like, nope, different artist, same dude, name. It's like when uh, I was in high school downloading shit from Kazaa, and I thought... Uh, Bob Marley wrote Santeria. <laughs> like, you know, I was just like, holy shit, Bob Marley's fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, how about you, Matt? You got any? Uh, you got anything you want to plug, man? Um, I mean, just this new, the new songs, because it's taken uh, fucking forever for them to happen. Because we recorded them during the pandemic, and then we're doing it all ourselves. And you know, record pressing has been backed up like crazy. And we finally, right, yeah. you know, we finally got the test press. And after approving it, it's like we'll get hard copies in November, which is just insane to me. Like it's been two years. So I'm just so excited to have a fit. I'm, I hate doing like pre-orders where you'll get the record in a year from now. So I've been just like really looking forward to having the actual thing. So, so you guys are going to have a physical release and it's also, is it going to be up on streaming? Yeah. Nice. I, I, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to pry too much, but do we have a name? Is there a name? For the, no, I don't I know. Well, shit. Yeah, guys, look out for it. Please yes. check out Cloak Dagger, Lost Art, or any other other stuff. It's going to do you just fine. Uh, thank you guys again for coming in. Uh, and, like, super thankful again. Yeah, thanks for this. Thank you. Yeah, man. Thanks, buddies. Check us out on YouTube. Check us out on instagram at evpcast uh me and brett are on there at jean-luc Guitard and brett hanrahan we have like 90 episodes of stuff like this in in our back catalog man so go check us out and yes listen to lost art by cloak dagger let us know what y'all think leave us a comment because i think this is a, a hidden gem in in the punk scene for sure uh matt jason thank you guys so much man and uh we'll end it here but you guys can stick around for a little bit and we'll 
we'll figure out logistics and stuff. But uh, <laughs> for the audience, we will say salute. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>